This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening and welcome. On behalf of Torah Misora, that is tonight partnering with Relief, which we hope will be an annual mental health professional conference as a part of the National Convention. Pasuk tells us that the Torah refers to the Sanhedrin as the Einei Ha'eda. The purpose of the Sanhedrin is to be the eyes of Klal Yisrael. As the Pasuk in Yecheskel says, I have appointed you a sentinel, a watchman, a guard for Klal Yisrael. Tamine Chachomim are compared to that watchman on top of the lookout tower. Just as that guard that takes a look into the distance and from his high vantage point is able to see things far away and he's able to discern what is a threat, what is not a threat, what is something that has benefit and what is something that we have to stay far away from. So too the Talmidei Chachamim, with their great wisdom and depth, are able to see far-reaching the ramifications. They are royas anoilid. Things that look so simple, so innocuous, sometimes it's not as it, as it appears. We have the schus tonight to hear from the Ein Nehaeda. The Rosh Hashiva of Lopiansky is someone that is a resource to anyone that is searching, being a mavakesh, someone that's in need, someone that needs to hear clarity with tremendous chachman, what is the das Torah? If it's a bacher, if it's a younger man that has to make the transition into the workforce, if it's shalom bias, if it's in any inyanim of yadus, he doesn't shy away from it. He's there as the Enei Ha'eda. He is there as a resource to all of Klal Yisrael. And it's a tremendous covet for us here tonight to hear from the Rosh Hashiva, Rav Lapiansky. Good evening. It's... Dar le dar, every dar has its tests, its challenges, um, its resources. When I was growing up, a psychologist was Mandekar Um It certainly was not something that Yidin um, went to, from Yidin so didn't go to. It was something that was um, considered to be, you embarrassed? If somebody did go to a psychologist, you, you, you covered, you know, you went incognito and sort of to the back door someplace. And it was something that was shunted aside, widely considered anti-Torah, and so on. How and when it burst on us, and today, we recognize so many issues that we have to deal with. Whether those issues existed before and we didn't deal with it, or whether for some reason they started now, that's a moot point. We have many, many issues that need to be dealt with professionals. And we still have yet to find our way in weighing and measuring um, right, wrong, overlapping areas and so on. It's, it's really, I think, one of the big challenges of our generation, and I assume most people here are involved in it. You are on the forefront of something that still hasn't been um, clearly defined and understood. I'd like to speak about um, Akdama, psychology minatoira minayat. Mental health therapy. Where does it fit in? 
we have tzaddikim, we have tefillahs, we have Torah, we have Musa, we have chassidus. Where does mental health fit in? We have so many different jobs. Why isn't it covered in what we have? That's really a question that sort of is, on, I guess, in, in everyone's heart. If the Torah was meant, if this was meant to be, then where, is it, where does it say? What is it? Where does it fit in? So I'd like to try to give a little bit of Hakdama of where it fits in. And let me explain first what I think is the question. A person has obligations. The Torah placed many obligations on us and many prohibitions. We firmly believe that every person has Bechira. So I have a choice. Shall I daven? Shall I not daven? If I choose not to daven, it's because I chose not to daven. And if I'm trying to get myself to daven, then I need a lot of stimulation. Musa to tell me how bad it is. If I don't daven, uh, a reward if I daven. And that can come in many different ways. The incentives and the... Um, and the negative reinforcement can come about through describing Gehenim Ganeiden, through understanding what a person is, and so on. So that's one type, that's one, um, what's the right word for it? it? It's one layer of existence and grappling with um, the world of Taiv and Ra. There is an extreme. There are cases when people don't have Bechira. For instance, someone takes a gun to your head. So that's called Oynes. And the Torah says that you um, are potter. You're supposed to save your life, except for the Gimel Hamuros. And even the Gimel Hamuros, you're potter. So we have the cases that a person is an Ones, and Ones is very clear, loss of life. Or terrible Yisurim, like it says by the... By, by, that's one extreme, and the other extreme is bchira. And if someone does not do something, we say, you just don't want to, and you need musa, and that's it. Covering these two cases means that psychology, and I'm talking about in the broad spect- in the broad sense of it, doesn't really have a place. For the person that has bchira, it's a musa shmuz, it's, it's incentives. I guess psychology can help us with giving some incentives. And if he's honest, the Torah says, either you have to be or you're not allowed to be Mosanefish. So what else is there? So I want to go through a, a Gemara and then look at some halakhic ramifications. There's a Pasik in Eov. Eov was um, suffered beyond human imagination. As Eov is, is the paradigm of suffering. Eov started saying things that he shouldn't say. Okay, did he have Bechira? Certainly did have Bechira. No one was holding a gun to his head. So we would say he's a um, uh, uh, Bad person. That's how we would say it. He has bechira, so we would say we can't judge him because we couldn't be. We couldn't um, possibly. Um, no one could possibly persevere in the face of such difficulties. But at the end of the day, we would reluctantly classify him as not good person for it. So there's a pasuk in Eov, and Igmar talks about it. It says loy bedas yedaber. He hasn't spoken with Das or with understanding. When a person is suffering, he is not held accountable 
Rashi says, "Lishayiv al shemidabe kasha machmasar v'yisurin dikaoma lo bedas yedabe leoma lo berosh yedabe lo bedas." What he's saying is, there is a situation where a person under enough duress, emotional, mental duress, can be considered as not having das. This point um, is something that has halachic ramifications. And I want to bring two or three halachic ramifications. One is a fascinating tshuva of um, it's it's a tshuva in in the um, it's it's a tshuva brought in, in the rivash, and it was a very very strange case. Somebody in the community used to gamble. He was a gambler, and the way I understand from the tshuva, it was a vice common to many people. So this person was a gambler. And this person tried to do tshuva, and he said that he is swearing a shvua that he's not going to gamble. He used to gamble with dice. And he was mekablachem chomer and enidui and so on. And he gambled. So he goes through the halachic possibilities of being matanet and shvua and so on. He goes through some of halachis. And then he talks about the consequences. It says, "You write v'chein hochichu also v'yasru v'lkur b'tzu al shaval shvua." They reprimanded him and they gave him malchus, and they did it quietly. No one else knew about it. They gave malchus because he was over on the shvua and so on. And he says, "V'yeshachem lahakol b'zeh." You should be makel, in sense, not give the full onesh and not publicly shame him. Why, he says, Ya'an hatzchok takiv Yitzray. People gambling um, have a very strong Yitzhara. It is almost an onus. V'rabim amarats nishbolov, many amaratsim swear that they're not going to gamble, v'noikshu avu v'leinenshu. They're over, and so on. And we don't punish them. And he's seen many chachamim, chassidim, tzaddikim, do not allow the person, they don't encourage the person to make a shvua, not to, not to gamble, because it's just about impossible to stop. So, in other words, it is possible there's another layer of a person's personality that can create an almost negation of Bechira. We have Tsar, when a person is under tremendous emotional distress, like Yov. We have what we would call today an addictive type of behavior, like gambling where when the person swears and then he is and, and then he's over it's because he's just about not um, he's just about not able to one other halachic issue that's interesting to Yamshel Shlomo in Baba Kama and he speaks as follows the halacha is when someone is out to hurt me I can stop the person so, everyone knows that. If someone is coming to hit me, I'm allowed to hit the person um, to keep him from hitting me. Whatever it takes, if I have to break his hand that he shouldn't hit me, I'm allowed to do that. That's, that's, that is correct. However, somebody was um, attacked by somebody, if this was the case, he, um, he hit the person, um, he wrestled the person and hit him enough so that the person was incapable of hitting him back. 
And then for good measure, he tossed in a few extra blows. So the question is, he, he not only used a, 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 he not only broke his hands, he broke a foot also. Is he mechuyev to pay for it? Is he called that it was even avera? So as far as paying for it goes, um, it's one thing, because you pay, paying for damage to for a person damaging has a very, I guess, low bar of being chayiv. But as far as evaluating the person, he says, "Afal um, din Russia." The havik tzas ones, the in adam nitvas al tsaro, the yitzro agbere. He uses the same terminology of 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 this gemara, because the person's emotions are so strong, we halachically look at it as an almost ones. And we can't call that person Russia. So we have another halachic case where this person is halachically not considered Russia because of the strength of his emotions. And finally, one more case I'd like to bring in. This is Benish Chai, and he offers a fascinating Musa insight. It says, if a person has passed Basalo, and he asks, what am I going to eat tomorrow? You know, a person has a loaf of bread, and he's worried about, I have a loaf of bread for breakfast, but what's going to be tomorrow? That's called miktani amana. He doesn't have faith and trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, he, so he asks, and if he doesn't have a loaf of bread? I mean, the man, people, people in, the, in the days of the man, they went to sleep. It was empty. Nothing was left. Does it make a difference if you have a loaf of bread or not? So, Manavshach, if a person has a Muna, shouldn't that be true also in terms of a, a person who has no loaf of bread? That's what he asks. And he answers, if, if a person does not have any bread, dim He's hungry. He, he does he no supper tonight. And if he says, what am I going to eat tomorrow, even though it's not appropriate, but you can't say that he's guilty. Because when you're hungry, then your emotions are not in place and you can't f- really find fault with the person. If the person is full and he's satiated and then he's worried, that's a concern So we have a few cases here with a common denominator. We now have a whole new paradigm of human behavior. We have Onus, where a person cannot do X, Y, Z because there's a gun to the head. We have Bechira, where a person has moral free choice. And then there's another layer. When a person has emotional distress to a point that we can halachically say it blunts, it foils his Bechira. That's a whole new understanding of a person and his place in his role in Avodah Hashem. So for the person who is an Ones, Pater, Mutter, depending on the situation, and that's one. For the person who is in a place where emotionally the person is even killed, now Bechira is in full play, this is where Musa and Torah comes in. I need to, we, we need to teach the person what's right and what's wrong. We need to appeal to his conscience. We need to bring out the strong points and, and be mochiach 
the whole array of Torah tools that are there to push us to do what's right and keeps away from wrong. But for the person who is somewhere in that distress, where the person is emotionally stressed out to a point where Bechira does not really, is not really effective, where halachically we don't quite look at him as a Baal Bechira, then we need a whole new set of tools to allay his distress, to relieve his distress, or else nothing's going to work. Whether the problem started today or always were there, but the concept is there from the Gemara. So that means we have a very clear niche and a very vital niche for where the job of a mental health therapist comes in. It is to give the person back his Bechira, to, to give him the tools to relieve his, um, his, his issues in a way that now the person can function as a Baal Bechira. We're not telling a person what to do with Bechira. We're not telling a person what's right and what's wrong. But we're giving a person the ability to, to have the calm and the Mnuchsa Nefesh needed to do what is right. That's where psychology, mental health therapy comes in. It's, it's a broad field, extending a bit, even in Avodas Hashem. So let's say the question is, am I supposed to be able to daven or not? So Halacha says, absolutely. Now, the, a person struggles, like a person struggles, it's a horror. We like our bed, we like to sleep, it's cold outside, it's, it's late, and so on. So there is methodologies for getting a person to do what they know is right. And that's also much more mechanical in the sense that it's not a value, but it's telling how do I build a good habit? How do I stay away from bad habits? Those are more the mechanics, and that also belongs in that range. Are these things to be found in Torah? The answer is, it says, Yistakal Bar Alma. Kaddish Baruch Hu looked into Torah and created the world. It's a deep, it's a deep point. But just like no one that we know of can look into the Torah and build a car based on what he saw in the Torah, true that some big gong could at some point say, well, this is the concept of this, the concept of this, the concept of that. But it's always something that comes post-facto. No one that we know of has that ability. A lot of the things, a lot of the true and valuable things that various mental health therapists have uncovered can be seen post-facto, can be understood in the Torah. And that's correct. But it's very, very difficult for someone from the learning to extrapolate it because we, we just don't know so much about it. So the, the Chachma has to start as a chachma, it has to find its right place in the big structure, and then understand that the tachlis of it, whereas a secular person sees the be it all, the calm and the happiness. This person walked into my office distressed, he walked out calm and happy, that's it, great. We understand, okay, so now get to work. Now that you have presence of mind, now that you have paspasalo, now that you have something, now it's time to roll up your sleeve and to do what you're supposed to do. That's sort of, I guess, a, a bit of an of a understanding to help us put it in, in the right perspective. I think we want to discuss some things and uh, where is the, yeah, so we can.
really answered all the uh, you answered all the questions already before we. Does that mean we can go to sleep? I think so. I think so. But that's not I, fair I, to the I, island. I, what? That's not fair to the island. <laughs> we know the answers. We would, just would you like to poll them? <laughs> just um, before we continue, I'd just like to express my hakarsa taiv to the steering committee that really put this pre-convention together to Rabbi Benjamin Babad of Relief, along with Mrs. Ricky Schwartz, Mrs. Bashi Saltzman, and Mrs. Devorah Pincus, and Rabbi Tzvi Bloom, the executive director of Tarmasara, who was heavily involved and saw the need and brought, made this come to fruition. Thank you to all of you. So we have a number of shilas that were submitted in no particular order. And uh, we'll have the schus to hear what the Rashiva has to say. We'll start with, what is the therapist's responsibility when parents are withholding important information to the yeshiva regarding their child's emotional state? It might be a therapist that works for the yeshiva. It might be a therapist that is out there in the community. And a little feedback. That's a, it's a very difficult question because there are a lot of halachic aspects. Um, I think, A, in general, preempting many of these issues. You want me to turn it off the mic? Are they recording? Right. We're going to work on it. Okay, let's, let's go. Let's try it without. Try the mic again. Okay. Um, if, we, if we take a look, if. There are a lot of halachic, thorny halachic issues. Generally speaking, if you're working with a firm client, spelling out to the person what your crisis is, that if you're a mandated reporter or so on like that, because there is issues of being megalosod, of losamod, some of these issues become extremely difficult. Um, I, and I know someone, a Rashiba, who tells people, if they start suing, he said, I want to tell you something. Whatever you say, if someone will ask me in a shidduch, I will have to say X, Y, and Z. He, he, he tells the person what it is that he will never divulge, what it is that he has to divulge, and so on. So a therapist working with a parent if the school hasn't asked him anything and, they, and he just knows it himself, unless it's an extreme case where the person could burn the school down, I don't think he has the right to, to go and to, and, and to tell them. If it is somebody that has, that he's employed by the school, um, that's very different. And I think he, he you know, if, if you feel with, that if he feels that he's beginning to come into a difficult problem, he's going to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I really think we can work on it, but I'm part of the school, and it will, it will become part of what the school knows. You have to give those um, boundaries, those parameters, to the person you're dealing with and, and see the person has to agree to it. I think that's a way to preempt some of the more sticky situations. If I could just sure, please. go into another... Yeah. On the Indian so we're talking about the confidentiality. So this provides the client with trust and allows the process to work. As we just said, there are legal, ethical implications. Rashiva touched upon leisamid. At the same time, there may be obligations of leisamid as well as other chiyuvim. So how do we reconcile this? For example, I just want to talk about a specific. Sure. If a teenager shares that she isn't keeping Shabbos and her parents are unaware of this, the therapist wants to know, what is, their, what is my halachic chiyuv regarding informing the parents? This is a little different. Or the school. And if I must, how do, again, how do you deal with the mandatory confidentiality? Just okay. to, so, I, I, obviously, I, um, I'd like a qualifier. I'm, this is not the place, this is not the person, this is not the place to pass an Eishai But we'll discuss it a little bit. For instance, if a child is not keeping Shabbos, it's not hurting someone else, per se. In other words, if, if a student is doing drugs in the school and selling drugs in the school, the losamo is for all the other kids in the school, and whatever it takes, you have, to, you have to bear down and get rid of it because other people are there. 
when someone is doing something that is, affects them, and especially something like Kul Shabbos, then certainly telling the school is no place to it. Telling the parents, you'd have to wait a following. How much toelis is there? I, every parent would like to know, but you have to make a decision, how much will it help the child? And many times the reaction will not be helpful. And if you can help the child, and the child loses their confidence, it's not only you they lose the confidence in, it's every from Yid and possibly every therapist. So if something like Kol Shabbos, I would be very, very reluctant to divulge it. I see the hefsit is karev, and 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 the 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 um, the, the is rochok. Something, God forbid, like suicidal tendencies. That's klelo samod to make sure that a parents who have has to know about it. You also have to make sure that the that the child doesn't find out they know about it. It's a very sticky. But when talking about keeping mitzvahs and, and this and that, it, the, it, he has to think long and hard why divulging it is going to be of, 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 of toelis. So, so that leads to another question. So how should mental health professionals process the dissonance between trying to be non-judgmental in cases in which halacha is being violated and their own personal beliefs? How can they ensure that they're not affected by them and the exposure to what they deal with in general? So, so these are two different questions. The first one, I think, has a lot to do with what we spoke about. I'm a from Yid. I want this child or adult to be a shaymater, a mitzvah, lemahadrin. That's the great good. Unless we, f- unless we figure out why it's not. And it's natural for a child to follow along the society is coming from. A child that makes a big turn, he veers sharply right or left, something else is at work. And that's something else. Without putting that into place, there's not going to be Shomer Shabbos. And that's why you are helping the child being a Shomer Shabbos by not talking, by accepting it, and saying, I understand you, and so on. Uh, let's give another example. It's not mental health, but it's, it's another example where people react counterintuitively. Not a child, but an older fellow at a certain age comes and he says, you know, he doesn't believe in anything. He's this kasha, this kasha, the other kasha, the other kasha. That can come from a lot of different places. Um, but one of the bad one of the terrible things to react is, who do you think you are? The Vildegarian was a thousand times smarter than you. You're a nothing and a nobody. You put him in his packet, you're a shaita gummer. I assure you that that person will be the next president of the Apicarius Club. And, and, and uh, it, 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 that's not. The same child, if you say, you know, I really appreciate that you think. I may not agree with you, but you're thoughtful, and, 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 and you're making some good points, and these are points we have to think about. If you work long and hard enough, then, that's, then you have a reasonable chance of getting back. But our reaction is, So when a person says a Musashmuz, and there's a thousand people in the audience, and everybody is sure he means somebody else, so then when you're talking fire and brimstone, maybe. Then, then, then you can catch people on fire and brimstone, if, if that's the, the way you like to present things. But when you're talking to a person, and you, you, you're, 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 you're smashing, nobody, is, is, nobody wants to be smashed. So either person will be crushed and depressed and provide a lot of parnas of therapists, or he will become a badafkanik and will and, 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 and will leave. The, um, I have a cousin, a, a relative, who grew up in pre-war Poland, home, and him and his family, everyone, n- nothing, zero. They were left with, they didn't keep anything, and, and they were survivors also. But he once told me, he said, I was a 10-year-old boy in Cheda, and the rabbit explained that Shavu is Rus, because Dovra Melech came from Rus, his yard site, and that's the thing. 
In all innocence, he asked, he said, but wasn't David not such a tzaddik? He did, we, we learned he did this avera, that avera, whatever. He asked it in pure innocence. The Rebbe gave him a slap that sent him across the room, and he said, on David Amalek, he only ask questions. Sent him far away. What? Sent him very far away. Now, the, 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 so, so, so understanding that if the, if, if the real issue is an emotional issue, then putting it into place will eventually get him, will, 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 will make him become a Shem Mitzvah. That's one part of it. The second half of that question was, when we work with these things, it does create a chilling effect on us. There's a story at Michal Bear Weissmandel, someone told over the Satmarav, that Michal Bear Weissmandel, in, in his attempt to save, not his attempt to, he did save many thousand Yidin, unfortunately tried to save many more, didn't work, but he, someone came to him Shabbos morning that he had to, that he had to um, get out very quickly and he had to run, he had to take a train on Shabbos, and Michal Bear ran, took the train and went, and he was sobbing as he went because he's being Michal Shabbos. Satmar Rav was tremendously moved. The halach is 100% that's what we have to do. Abishabbos is nishkevun kalpeim. He didn't lose the sensitivity that I'm being Michal Shabbos. I'm a choyev to do it. Everybody's told me to do it. But what I'm doing is is Shabbos. It's helpful. We, once we, when we live in a world that so much that shouldn't be normal, is normal, and I have to work with it. But it's important from time to time. It's generally good when people do like the Yachakala thing, when people go away for a week, to go back to a place that looks the way it should look, where people are the way they should be. It's a chizuk that we don't get lost and think that this is normal. So that's on a personal level for someone dealing. It's good. Rabbi Hanan Vasiman was... The Rosh Hashiva Baranovich, every Elul, he would go back to Chavetz Chaim to spend Elul. In a yeshiva, for Shiva not to be Elul is, is unthinkable. He felt he needed the charge. And when the Chavetz Chaim was Nifta, he went to Rebdoniel and Kelm and was there every Elul. He felt that this was a person, he needed himself to recharge his batteries. So, especially when we work with such difficult things, going to a place where you say to yourself, you know, Shifti Vais Hashem is an important thing to do. Beautiful. Yeah. Recharge. Yeah. Connect with what's the normal. Yeah. You know, so much uh, of the days are spent with, with, with things that, that, that you, we start to think that's normal. Right. There's a, there's a story from the Breslover. It's, it's a beautiful marshal. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. There was a kingdom where the stargazers saw that everybody would become next year would become poisoned by the wheat or the rye, and they would go crazy. And, and a footnote I read somewhere, stock a footnote that there was sometimes um, fungus that would, that would have hallucinating agents. If it got infected with fungus, that's the... And the kids of the Yeretzim came to the king, and they said, we'll make a special storehouse. You'll have un- uninfected wheat, and you'll be normal. Then they thought it over and they said, no. A sane king cannot rule over an insane kingdom. So the king also has to eat the, the stuff and become as mishug as them. But you're going to have a ring on your finger and it'll say, remember, you're not normal. So sometimes having, having that understanding, we have to deal with crazy things. And then we have to be able to have a spot where we say to ourselves, remember, this is not what the Bria is supposed to Beautiful. look like. Beautiful. How uh, would the Rashiva advise to proceed if the best therapist to address the issue is not from or not Jewish even? Do you choose someone that's, that has the cultural competence over best practices? So it really depends on the type of issue. Um, if it's an issue that marginally affects Yiddishkeit, somebody is, he, he, he lacks executive function and, and, and he needs to be able to put himself together. So it's a tangential issue and 
a, a very good therapist is obviously better than someone who, who is from, you know, and so on. But sometimes you get issues, for instance, if this person is suffering from pornography addiction or something like that, will the person somehow give them the idea that it's okay but not too much? You have to ask yourself, how much is this topic or the method of treatment, how much does it overlap with values? And if it's too much, then you have to really, really, then, then it's a really tough question. But if it's much more mechanical and kind of structural, then, then definitely, for instance, let's give an example that comes up a lot. You have children with severe dyslexia. Like everything, we're always behind. We, 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 there are better things out there. And the question is for a kid to go to public school for a year or two, and in some of the places they do amazing remedial work. Unfortunately, we're behind. So it's, a, it's, it's something that you have to consider. And over the years, we've had it in Baruch Hashem because a child who has severe dyslexia is going to grow in yeshiva and feel worse about himself and his yeshiva day to day. He's sitting like a golem doing nothing and pretending he's doing, and, and it destroys him. So it's a calculated risk. You have to ask yourself, what is it? But there are times when it's so critical that the piece falls into place that, that you have to be able to make a decision, talk it over and, and make a decision. Sure. I'm, when it comes to dyslexia, yeah. today, thank God, we have everything at the public school of every three acres. Okay. I have it all over the United States. I have it in But my team option for me personally and for other people, never send anybody to a non-school therapist for anything. Because one thing leads to another. We all know that as social workers and psychologists, that one conversation leads Oh, is that is that psych written? I, w- I would love to. I, 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 yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure, please. What about what? I'm sorry? This is snake. Yeah. What is she? She's eating most of the dirt. <laughs> what did she do wrong? The premise is, I think, if the people are modern, they may disagree with me, that she didn't stop her husband from telling Robert to do that. She didn't stop it. She stopped it. Cute. I guess you're going to. Yes, you're Thank you, Dr. Rosenstein. So we're going to move on to the next question at this point. Thank you, Dr. Rosenstein. So our students right now in this Takufa, our students are struggling with enjoying life during this time of Tsaris. So how much of our programming should be limited? And how much should, on the other hand, how much should children feel that their life is continuing and school is a haven for stability? So we in the yeshiva, we, the, our, our moisit is, is boys high school, girls high school, yeshiva gdola, kolol. So for the, especially for the high school, it's, it's a question. Um, generally speaking, most activities that we do in general tend to have a, a rhyme and a reason. They are either for bonding, 
or for giving him some relief or an ability to relate to a Rebbe figure outside. But we always, A, we make sure that in every activity, we memayat something. I would say it's similar to the halacha, that at a chasna you're supposed to leave over something empty. Um, it's something like an empty a plate. The reason why many don't do it is because caterers charge a lot for the empty plate. It's become a very hush for things. So I, I guess you, get, you have to pay a lot extra for an empty after plate. Blake, after breaking the glass and well, now an empty plate. plate it's, it's, gonna... it's, it's, uh, but but it, 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 you leave over something. You make a chasna because a chasna is a chasna. But you make some zecha. So we tried, as soon as we got, we got the news, we said every hakafa will be shorter, we'll say capital tillum, the more exuberant things won't do. We, we try to make a balance. I think it's also important educationally to speak to the kids about it. In other words, sit down. Don't, when, one thing that a child has a hard time with is when you land a gzeira on them. They wanted to go on this great trip, and you, you just landed on them and say, you can't. So if they're nice kids, they'll, they'll say, okay, but it bothers. But if you sit down and say, okay, we, we, we're going through a tkufa now. We're on the one hand, we're mechuyev to keep going to school, doing things, and so on and so forth. On the other hand, there are, there are so many families whose kids are on now who knows where. So let's think of what we'll do to sort of make a statement that while we need to continue, what are activities? Make them partners, help them understand beforehand. And if you tell a child, imagine you're going through a difficult time and the people around you are totally oblivious. You don't expect the life to stop, but give them that understanding. And if you do it beforehand and it's their idea, it goes a lot better than when it's a xera that comes down with Lamala and, and boom. That, that I think is, would be helpful. Thank you. So from a Torah perspective, what is the recipe to build oneself up and to, to develop self-esteem? So I think Reb Mechelbeer Weissmandel put it as powerfully as could be. He went through everything. And in the last time he spoke publicly, when he came to America, he lived another 10 years or so, he, um, he created some oysters, and he was a sick man. He had real heart trouble, and basically two weeks before he was nifta, his heart was going. He spoke at Amlava Malka for his moistis. He wasn't sure if he could make it or not. He made it. And he said, it says, Kela Muna in Oval. Kela Muna, so the Sefri says, Shehemin Ba'olam Ubra'o. He believed in the world and created it. He said, who am I? He said, I would like to, I, I would like to present myself. Not pleasant, but I need to present myself. Who am I? He said, I am one of the billions of brios in the world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu believed in and created him. I thought I had more I could do. Hashem said no. But it doesn't pattern me from doing what I can do. Because if Hashem doesn't believe in you, somebody that's not believed in can't, can't survive, can't exist. And Hashem believes in us. Emuna starts with the idea, if I am here, it means Hashem said, I am worthy of existence and I can accomplish. What? How much? That's what life's about. That's what pushing yourself is about. That's what working is about. The confidence comes because I am. What? Not everybody gets 100. Not everybody does this. But I have a tachlis, and Hashem believed in me. The core belief in Hashem as a Bara Olam should translate into that type of belief of self and emphasizing that. I think that that's a very important point to emphasize. Believing in Hashem's Ba'olam means I believe that I am worthy and I have a tafkit. And, and, and I can do whatever tafkit. Sometimes we fool ourselves. We like to pick the tafkidim that are chashiv and say, no, I'm going to be this, this, and that. That's not your tafkit. But, but 
whatever my tafkid is, I can do it. And, and, and that's, that's, that's a terrific way to build emuna, self-esteem. Dr. David Pelkowitz, if I can, likes to quote the Reb Tzaddik, Kashem Shiesh Mitzvah Lahaman Bashem, Kach Lahaman Ba'atzmacha. But, but it's built on as an extension. It's, it's, it's the extension of being, believing in Hashem as Hashem did not create um, garbage. And Hashem created me and gave me a life and, 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 and an existence. Okay, this is a, a bit of a halt cup for this next, for the, I'm talking to the, to the, hold on for this, halt cup for this question. Unfortunately, there are times that a child, teen's emotional struggles, Whatever that may mean, trigger a situation where they end up off the derech. If a parent is dealing with a child, Rechman al-Atzlan is showing symptoms of mental illness, but the child is also lacking in Shmiris HaMitzvahs, or even altogether not from. Should the parents try to set limits, give consequences, and confront the child about Rechman-related issues, or should they realize that it is most likely only due to his inner emotional pain and become, and become fully supporting and accepting of the child, in order to allow him or her to feel completely unchallenged and completely comfortable in their home. So if, indeed, the ideal approach is that the child should feel that he has full support of his parents, which will allow him to gain strength, to deal with the underlying issues, and succeed in his recovery, to what extent should parents allow or accommodate Dvar Masurim? If it's Machal Sasuris, allowing them to drive the family car on Shabbos, do they need to hide the card keys? Can they tell him where the keys are? And does anything change if younger siblings are in the same home and witness this acceptance? Well, dear, all the world's problems in one, in one, I, I, I won't platter. To, um, so again, just some general points. It's, it's uh, it, you know, unfortunately, um, there's, a, there's a saying from Tolstoy that every happy family is happy alike. And every unhappy family is unhappy in its own personal way. Every off the derech person, every on the derech person, quote unquote, means people that want to do what Hashem said and, and, and realize themselves ruchnias. People that are veered, it's the whole range. There's so many reasons and so many things. It's, it's, so a lot depends on the context, but a few points. Parents have to ask themselves, A, what can they do? Reacting emotionally. There's a big difference in the, in the world of a six-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 15- and 20-year-old in what the parent can do. To pitch a battle, Laman Hashem, when it's not accomplishing anything, is there a point to it? Um, my question, in other words, the point when it... My goal is that the person be committed to keeping mitzvahs. So, A, is it a ruchnistic problem, just not interested enough for mitzvahs? Is there an underlying emotional cause? And then that's where the focus has to be. The mitzvahs, like we spoke, the mitzvahs will come in later if we repair whatever the problem is. But there is another area. We, um, the world of Torah mitzvahs, and then there's the world of common respect. In other words, the demand that you daven is one type of demand, and that should never be a demand. It should be a lot of how will I get him to daven, not do I command him to daven. Doesn't, does commanding doesn't work very much with that. Versus just like if, if he would hit his siblings, you would take action because it affects others, it's perfectly appropriate to say your life in your Rishosayachid is one thing. What you do in your room, what you do in the street, that's you. The house is a common area. And just like a person doesn't play loud music in a common area, a person doesn't do things that are offensive in a common area, I can demand a certain level, under normal circumstance, I can demand a certain level of um, of respect for each other. Again, there's so many complicated, complicated details. Siblings is a problem, obviously, and, and 
And again, it makes such a big difference on the ages and the underlying problems. But one of the things you can explain if a sibling is of an age to begin to understand, you can explain your brother is a good boy but is dealing with a lot of stressful things, and that's why he acts a certain way. It helps put the person in, in a framework that makes him not a martyr, not a hero. When I say that somebody is bad, it hurts the child. His sibling's bad, and, and it forces him to choose between him, and at some point he may choose the sibling over me, Hasrashal. But if I tell him he's a difficult situation and so much is hurting him, then it gives a certain place where you can, you don't feel that we hate him or against him. It's not something to be looked up to. We don't allow him to do these things because this is appropriate to do. It's something that gives a certain place that allows for some normal um, seder adverb in the family. But again, all, th- th- this thing is unfortunately so many issues together, and unfortunately, so many times that's the way it comes. But just some of the points I felt were important to address. Okay, well, well, two more questions, that's okay. So the question submitted was, I'm seeing and hearing about a lot of Bahrim that are having problems with viewing inappropriate things on the Internet, not necessarily an addiction. It seems that everyone runs to a therapist for this. Is this something that the Rebbeim should be dealing with from a Kedusha perspective? Or should we just be sending them all to therapy because there must be other or major issues? So, so this is an area I briefly mentioned before that I think is important to, to, to understand. When you're talking about therapists, you're usually talking about difficult issues, like differing much issues. There's another area that's an overlap and, and it has to do a lot with our inexperience. For instance, how do I build good habits? How do I build the, the habits of, um, you know, I, I, and let's take something, you know, washing your hands, brushing your teeth, or something like that. That's something that has mahalach. It has ways to present it, to encourage it, and ways that are effective. So not doing a virus, not, not looking at something you shouldn't, in a case where the person is not addicted to it and so on. Unfortunately, unless we develop mechanchim who can give appropriate advice and guidance, then once again we're stuck. Telling a kid that it's a terrible issa that you shouldn't do, does it work? I can assure you that it doesn't. Uh, it, 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 telling him that he should pay a knas of a dollar every time that I'm dating myself, ten dollars. Uh, for every time that it looks like it shouldn't, it, was that work? Try it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of um, skeptical. So we, if we as mechanchim, do need to train ourselves in and 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 developing, as was mentioned before, we need to develop what are appropriate strategies. Ideally, a rebbe should be doing it, but. We don't have the training in it. We have a musashmuz, we have a word here, a word there. This is good, that's good. But to do it in a way that's systematic, there are some people that are better at it. So there is a crying need for guidance and, and, uh, and so on. Um, I once heard from a firm person who took coaching in Israel, uh, professional coaching training, and the person said, you know, I, at some point, there were two Haredi people in the class, and the person said, you know, this should have been taught in yeshiva. There's, there's no chidushim. It's something that th- th- being able to do it systematically and understanding what type of training will get a person from A to B should be something that a good mechanic should know. That's, that's really... So, yes, ideally it should be in the mechanics court, it should be his, but tachlis, we're still missing training for it. I'm sorry, now we have two more. I apologize. I, I, there's one more Listen, here. Listen, even if I get stressed important. out, I have so many therapists here, Baruch yeah, Hashem, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to... The, the last one is something that, uh, that, was very, that a lot of people submitted about. So for the past number of years, we have increased infiltration of marijuana use in our communities, particularly in, with our youth. 
With the recent legalization of marijuana, we may unfortunately be facing an explosion, or it's already exploded. So what are the halachic and the hashkafic issues that, that we should be aware of, and what challenges do the reshiva feel we may face as a result of this, particularly with our youth? And what steps should be taken, if any, to educate and insulate? So let's start from the last one. I, I'm a big believer in educating. I think, uh, maybe some people disagree, but COVID taught us that um, immunization is more effective than isolation. No matter how far away you go, it's going to be there. It, you know, and it, it is. Everything comes and goes and so on. Um, it, 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 it's it, thinking that we can keep it out is living in a dream world. It's not, it doesn't happen. We, we, um, everything will infinite, slower, later, but sooner they get there. Um, I believe the education of explaining that anything that dulls a person's das and seichel is opposite of everything yid is. And I, it's something where staying away from fire and brimstone is, is so much more effective because everyone will sooner or later do something they shouldn't. That's what happens. But if he understands why it's wrong and he understands that it's something that basically robs you of seichel, not, that you, not stupider, but instead of using das and thinking and being constantly alert and aware and understanding, you basically are dulling your sense. That's what's happening. And it becomes, again and again, it's something that encroaches on, on who you are as a person. I think getting that message across, depending on each, obviously each place, depending what they're dealing with, and, and understanding that the real danger is that people who can't cope with life, for whatever reason, through no fault of their own, they have a stressful, terribly stressful home, they're, they're, they're terribly um, unsuccessful in what they're doing, friends, school, turn to it as a refuge. And that's a hurdle. And that's something that, that we should un- give the children to understand. Thank you. So this is our, our final question. It came across in many different areas about the Kibbut Av, the Kibbut Av component. So a parent of a 13-year-old has a clear anger problem. He often yells. I don't know why it doesn't say she often yells. He often yells <laughs> and can become physical. The client, the child, has similar tendencies. Is it okay for the therapist to be clear about the father's issues and help the client to use his father as a motivation for change so he'll be a different parent, a different husband, in, order, in a way to work out his own anger? So I'm very wary of, again, I'm not talking about the halachic issue. Destroying a parent to a child is a terrible thing. Obviously, there are cases, but much better if a child understands the flaws. For instance, if you speak with a child and you tell them people who don't deal with their pressures um, properly inevitably take it out where they shouldn't. Don't tell them, like your father, if he says, say, you know what, people live with a lot of pressure. And people have a lot of things going on, and it's difficult. You're at an age where you can now do something about it. You you do not want to say, don't be like your father or your mother, because that's a terrible thing. It's it's terrible because it it, uh, it destroys a child's metzias. And maybe I'll take a minute saying something, saying over something. In... Communist Russia, which was evil, communism was evil, evil in terrible ways. And one of the most terrible things they did was they destroyed the concept of parents and children. Children were encouraged during Stalin and to rat on their parents. There was um, a story. This I, I, dealt with, I, I used to have a lot of Russian Haver and Bakanta who came out from Kamchatka. There was a story 
called Petter Mirza, something like that. I forgot the name of the boy. My that it was a, it was a heroic story that communist youth were brought up on. It was a child who overheard his parents speaking against the the the, the, the government, and he went and ratted to the police. And then his parents found out they killed him, and the police arrested them. And he's a hero. And any kid who did a maisa like that was considered a, a gibber of that nature. One of the most evil things possible. Somebody wrote an autobiography about Shuva, Russian about Shuva. And I read it, it's in Hebrew, and he said that he went, so, so they would send away kids to camp in the summer, and he went to one of those hero camps where a lot of those kids were there because they had done heroic things like ratting on their parents. Said it was a very, very happy place, and the kids were very proud of themselves, a lot of ruach, and so on and so forth. He said, at night, the screams and the nightmares, the kids all had tremendous nightmares. He said, it was a Gehenna of nightmares, because you can't take that away. And part of the Chachma is to give a place where you can understand the person without judging him, because a parent is the child. And doing something that cuts it, it, it's, it, you know, it, it needs tremendous places, and it's usually very counterproductive. I want to thank the Rosh Hashiva. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's up to him. He, he's the... We're just a little behind schedule, so, but... Please. Who is speaking, if I ask? So that depends a lot. It, 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 that's what I'm saying. This is where you have to be able to determine. We're going to repeat the question. Yeah. Uh, it's something like that if a client presents themselves with anxiety, and they would, the question is if that is a lack of bitachin. Is that it? Is that, is that the question? How does that tie in the lack of So it's, it's just like, for instance... A, a Torah therapist should distinguish between Yerushalayim and OCD. An OCD person, if you tell them the halach is absolutely not like that, will still keep doing it. You need to get a feel for the person. Is it because he doesn't really believe, like, like exactly like the, we brought the, 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 the Ben Ishchai. If somebody doesn't have any bread, and he, doesn't have, and, and he doesn't have trust, or he has bread and he doesn't have trust. You have to ask yourself, where is this person coming from? And, and based on that, that's how I have to deal. It's, it's, that's part of the, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult point to diagnose. When is it the tchum of emunah bitachon, and when is it the tchum of something deeper that's, that's it, it, it's, it's anxiety, it has nothing to do with, it's nothing to do with the mind believes, it has to do with what the heart's comfortable with, restless. Thank you. We'd like to thank the Rashiva. We'd, we'd like to take a seven-minute break, if that's possible. Seven minutes. And, but after the break, if we can have a switch, that the ladies will sit on this side, the men will sit on this side over here on my left, and that's when we will start with Dr. Mandelman. We will be dominating Myriv after Dr. Mandelman's session. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.